turn on those headphones. It's time for Naughty Talk with Sunny Lee Maine. Welcome to Naughty Talk with Sunny Lee Maine, the podcast that explores all things kinky in a sexy and inclusive way. This show is intended for mature audiences aged 18 and up, and some listeners may find it disturbing. We believe in risk-aware consensual kink here on the show, so if you do try things mentioned on the show at home, know that neither the show nor the cast are responsible for any accidents, injuries, legal or property damages that may occur while getting your kink on. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of Naughty Talk. I'm Sunny Lee Main, she, her, and I'm super excited to have back with me today for the first time in Season 3, Panda Pet, It They. How are you today? You know, we're having a little bit of a stressy day, but it's all right. We're here. We're breathing. We're queer. <laughs> Nothing like Naughty Talk to relieve a stressy day. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> we'll just hang. We're vibing. Yeah, hopefully our listeners feel the same way. So welcome back. And I'm really excited for something really special in season three. It's something I've been wanting to do for some time. And that is incorporate more listener questions and write-ins on the show. And this season, we actually got a ton of them. So um, we actually have sort of a collection of questions this week because we had so many write-ins essentially asking the same thing. <laughs> and yeah, so I figured we just kind of roll them all in and do a whole segment. So our first question comes from Adho06. I hope I'm saying that correctly. No pronouns listed. And the question reads, I've never done anything kinky. I've only had one sexual partner my entire life. How do I figure out what I like and where do I start? And another question from Thick Introvert, she, her, how to vet a new partner. So we're going to kind of roll all of these things into one discussion, but we've had so many questions on the show about how do I figure out what it is that I like? How do I find someone else who is into the same things as me? And sometimes those are questions about kinky things, like specific kinks. Sometimes there are questions about how do I find someone who is into poly dating or swinging. Those are some things that have come up. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to keep the focus on kink since that is our sort of our thing here on the show. But yeah, you know, how do I find a new partner? How do I vet one? How do I even know what I'm into? I think I might be kinky. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> So that's what we're going to try to dive into today. So thank you to everybody who wrote in. Um, And just so everyone knows, I do have a consent form signed by everybody who wrote in saying that I could read their entire question and their scene name on the show. Look at you, Seth Arrow. Consent's important. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. So let's just start with how do I even know what I'm into? Do you want to tackle that? First of all, whoever, the person who wrote that, you sweet baby angel, thank you for being vulnerable enough to ask, because I feel like a lot of people are too scared to even ask because they don't want to seem like they're inexperienced or like this stupid uh, judgment that we have about like people being like virgins or like inexperienced. Uh, So thank you for asking that question. I'm just going to preface it a little bit with how 
like I came to it, I suppose, uh, which for me really was that I like, when I was younger, I had these impulses, but didn't really know like where they were coming from. They weren't even sexual impulses. They were just like kind of obsessions or like things I couldn't stop thinking about, like really specific activities I couldn't stop thinking about. So for me, I went to the wonderful land of the internet because that's the world we're living in. And that's where I found a few websites. That's where I found FetLife. That's where I found like another like niche kink website that doesn't really exist anymore. And started finding out that like I wasn't a freak because there were people like me out there. So that was the first step to like make me feel okay about this. That's a fun way to approach it. I feel like I had a similar experience of knowing that I was into things and that I was aroused by things that a lot of people might not find. I'm going to put like in giant quotes, normal. How about mainstream? Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe mainstream is a better word. Yeah. Um, But I definitely had fantasies about like struggle play and rough body play and things like that before I even was sexually active before I even fucked myself for the first time. I'm just going to say that out loud. I was thinking before I even ever fucked myself. (laughs) But, you know, one of the things that helped me when I was new was going through a hard and soft limits checklist because, and you can download these online if you just Google hard and soft limits checklist. When you go through them, there are going to be lots of things on it that you might not even recognize. And, Um, that's okay. That's where learning starts. So just kind of reviewing one of those, and maybe you can't actually fill it out yet to say what your limits are because you don't know. Mm -hmm. But just reviewing one of those to kind of see which things sound sexy or pop out to you, which things do you want to maybe Google a little bit and learn, you know, more about just to give you an idea of what is even out there. That's a really great place to start. When you Google, just be careful. If you're concerned about your browsing history or your computer security in any way, because there are possibilities of coming across porn sites and things that are not always 100% secure. So just please make sure that you're being internet safe if you are going online or Googling these things. Are you saying don't research butt plugs at work? (laughs) Yeah, I'm ideally yes uh or like at home on your work only laptop provided by your company maybe don't do that but yes i mean the internet is a wealth of information some of it is good and some of it is bad and i would say that there is no one true source of information not us on the podcast not any one article that you read but it can be a great way to sort of just open your eyes a little bit and sort of see what's out there. And then that is where the fun begins. So what would you do next? I can easily see people wondering from that conversation, okay, then how do I know what's real and what's not or what's good and what's bad? Um, And my answer personally to that would be if many resources are saying the same thing, then that's a really good indicator. Like Sunny said, don't go by any one source. But if you're going across many sources for one topic and they're all kind of agreeing, that's a really good indicator that you're going in the right direction. Right. 
that a lot of articles on the internet are actually sort of written by vanilla folks who have sort of researched kink from an outside perspective. And a lot of times they're not going to really replace, um, you know, speaking to real kinksters. And we're going to touch on that later. So I'm not going to dig too deeply into that. Just be aware that if you're reading an article in a popular magazine, I will not say the title. (laughs) I was thinking of one that begins with a C. (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, you're not going to necessarily be getting information from somebody who is embedded in the lifestyle and lives at 24 seven, it might be somebody who just is giving you like tips on how to spice things up in the bedroom. Maybe that's okay. Um, maybe that's all you're looking for. But once you start to go down the rabbit hole, you know, I usually just say internet is kind of like the very first layer. And then, you know, move forward with better quality sources of information. Mm, definitely. So, I mean, we should talk about what some of those places are. Things like kinky social media, for example. And oh, yeah. I was at an event recently and somebody came up to me at the end of a class that I was teaching and said, you know, basically asked me the same question. They asked me, you know, Sunny, how can I find other people who are into this. I think it was the hypno kink convention. Um, I think it was at charm. So they came up to me and said, how can I find other people who want to do this? And, you know, I said all the same things that we're going to tell everybody here. Um, but one of the things that I mentioned was going and checking out fat life, um, and looking for things like local events and community events and that kind of a thing. And the person said to me, I'm just going to go out and admit, I don't actually know what fat life is. And I just sort of like paused for a moment and that's how far down the rabbit hole I am. And I was just like super impressed, super impressed that this person made it all the way into a kink convention and was sitting in my class <laughs> and had never not only signed up for, but had never even heard of fat life. And they were like, I'm sorry, this sounds like really silly. And I'm like, absolutely not. You know, there are no, no silly questions, no bad questions. And you don't know what you don't know. So there's this website called FetLife. And mm-hmm. on it, you can create a kinky profile where you write a little bit about yourself, but you can also, you know, go into groups about different things that you're interested in and read writings by other people who are into those same things. You can make friends like, you know, um, <laughs> social media friends with other people, you know, have conversations, see pictures, just kind of explore a little bit. And so, you know, I think social media can actually be like a next layer where you're actually going in and you're creating your scene name and you're starting to actually explore in an environment that's sort of targeted towards and built by and populated by people who are actually kinky. Uh, So there are definitely other platforms that are in development. Um, There's also a growing contingency of kinksters, particularly who are out or who are going under pseudonyms or C names on Twitter, Tumblr, um, like hypno people who like stream things on Twitch. So there are definitely, oh, on Discord, there are so many Discords. So honestly, I bet that person who had never heard of FetLife probably found out about it through something, something Discord related. Sure. It's probably like a chicken or the egg kind of thing, right? Like, did somebody invite you to a Discord thread and then you saw that an event was posted and you ended up there versus like finding it on social media? Right. Uh, Because Discord obviously started out as a game 
based platform that a lot of people have flocked to, particularly in the community, particularly during the pandemic, because it is a great way to host a community in an accessible way. Yeah, so FetLife is really a well-known website. It's something that's been around for a long time and a lot of people in the lifestyle are familiar with. And (laughs) what I think we can say about it is that there are definitely benefits, things like being able to, if you've never been in a kink community or you don't have a big kink scene where you live, connect with other people who are kinky and talk about kinks and share photos and share fetishes. Mm-hmm. But like any social media site, you know, you should be aware that there can be problems. Anything that you put on the internet can never be taken back. So you want to be really careful you know, while people use scene names and that sort of thing, if you're posting your whole face, for example, you know, that could put you at risk and other things like moderators are sometimes involved in individual groups to try to crack down on things like consent violations within the group or breaking individual group rules. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, with big websites like that, there are sort of staff members who do a little bit of policing, but it's never going to be 100%. You know, you can report things, but it's never going to be 100% guaranteed that that thing is going to be resolved. So I think that's that's all I want to say about what can go wrong. And I don't think that that's just a problem with FetLife. I think that's a problem with a lot of websites out there just to be aware of. And as you were saying, if it turns out to not be your jam, there are some other things starting to pop up um, that you can check out, you know, in addition to um, or instead of that life. And if you have favorite content creators, particularly if you view them on Twitch, YouTube, Vimeo, like any of those kind of streaming platforms, then you should check what they're mentioning. They'll probably be mentioning website or further videos and a lot of content creators in addition to like making like sexy or niche or appealing videos also do some kind of educational video or content. And even if they're not, usually the comment section can be more open for questions if they are phrased in a way that is respectful. Absolutely. And on the second half of the episode, we're actually going to dive a little bit deeper into one of the other options that is emerging and brand new because we like to be cutting edge here on Naughty Talk. So I won't say too much about that now. But what I do want to talk about is, okay, so you've maybe looked at your limits list said, okay, these things sound cool. These things sound scary. Googled what they are. Maybe you have done some social media searches, done some reading in groups, you're starting to get, you know, from writings and pictures and other sexy kinky things, a little bit of it more of an idea about what you might be interested in. How do you take it from internet into reality? So obviously, this is where your previous work is going to come in handy. Uh, If you've done some media searching and found some places that are either local to you or that you have to perhaps travel a fair ways to go to your first thing. That's not that unusual. Don't feel bad about that. There are lots of people who I've seen travel eight to 12 hours just to get to a party and meet other people like them or like a weekend event, like a con. 
But if you can, I would try to start with either like local dungeons, if that's a thing that's accessible in your state in a public kind of way. There are sex clubs or swinger clubs that often will have like kink nights. Those aren't always the most informative because those are going to be a fair amount of somebody from a different community that like maybe participate in some kinky things going to this night, but it's certainly a good place to start. And I would recommend for your first time out at a party or an event, not planning on playing. I would just, you know, get a vibe for the atmosphere, be social, talk to people, get to know them. This is for you and them. Uh, And this is really where vetting starts coming into the picture because before you do kinky shenanigans with somebody or are intimate with them in any way, you should probably make sure, you know, they're not like a serial killer or (laughs) some kind of serial abuser or just not a person who you are going to vibe with on a personal level. Right. And this is something that we've definitely talked about in other episodes in great detail. Like what is a dungeon versus a sex club? What is a kink club and or a kink party versus a swingers club? Where do those things intersect? So I definitely recommend if you have not caught up on seasons one and two, checking out some of the episodes that focus on some of those things. We really do a deep dive on, you know, what to do at your first time in a dungeon. But yeah. I think one of the things that we talk about a lot is events. We have lots of episodes about attending events, volunteering, all of that stuff on previous seasons. So we won't spend too much time on it. But I think that probably we can't say enough that once you've done your internet research and you start to have an idea about what you might be into, it doesn't necessarily mean that you now have the qualifications or the knowledge that you need to do a thing safely. So in-person classes are always going to be valuable for learning techniques and skills. But also, you know, the more you get enmeshed in your community conventions, munches, join a local club, do virtual events, join a Discord community, the more you get involved in your community, the easier it's going to be to meet people. And that's the fun part. Because when people ask us, like, how do I meet someone else who's into XYZ? Once you become a member of those communities, it's sort of like, once you can get over the threshold of that, you know, that community, you're going to start to interact with actual live flesh and blood human beings. (laughs) who might be into the same things that you are or something similar enough that you might vibe and you know, that's okay. You know, you might come and find someone who isn't into the exact same super niche specific kink as you, but maybe they're into something similar and you both have something to offer that you'll both enjoy. Or even if not, like even if you have like say a really specific niche kink and it's the only one that you know you have, if you really enjoy someone's personality or you get along really well, you communicate well and you think you would connect on a deeper level, even if you don't have kinks in common, if you have enough conversation, you'll probably find one. Or if you were newer to the scene, you might find something that you're interested in that they do that they can help you explore. So like, I would say just don't, like pigeonhole yourself by only focusing on the things you already know you're into. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that when you start to attend events in person and you start to meet people, if you don't find people quickly who are into the same things that you are, you're very likely to meet someone who knows someone else who is. Mm -hmm. And this is the part where vetting comes in. So when you're attending regular events like munches, or you go to the same convention over and over again, or you're consistently participating in some other type of community thing, people are going to get to know you a little bit. And when you start to think about, you know, conventions, which are open to the public most of the time, versus like being invited to something like a private play party, or being asked on a date or something that's a little bit more intimate, sometimes there is vetting that has to take place before you're going to receive that kind of information. And there is no real shortcut to vetting. You kind of have to know somebody who can vouch for you. And you know somebody who can vouch for you by participating in these events and just naughty talk rule number one, not being an asshole. (laughs) Um, Just go to events and don't be an asshole. No, seriously, go in with an open mind and be respectful of others. And, you know, it's a very welcoming community to people who do that. If you're going in and you don't feel entitled to anything and you're just, you know, friendly and maybe volunteer, maybe start to talk to people, you're going to then start to develop connections. And, you know, people ask me about dating, but those connections are probably the most important because then later down the line, when you meet somebody you do want to date, and they want to do a little bit of vetting, there are going to be other people in the community who can kind of vouch for you and say, you know, this person has come to three of my events. Mm -hmm. You know, I've done this personally. You know, hey, I'm thinking about working with this person as a demo bottom for one of my classes. I'm thinking about doing a scene with them in the dungeon. I'm thinking about going on a date with them. You know, what do you think of this person? Have you ever heard of them? And, you know, I have a lot of friends in the community who I would trust to say, you know, Um, this person attended some of my events and they were respectful and nobody had any issues with them. But anyway, like we were talking about with like dungeons, conventions, that kind of thing. uh, A part of that will usually be some form of at least semi public play, Uh, which I meant to mention earlier too, when we were talking about how do you figure out what you're into when you're in those kind of spaces, it can be terribly useful just to, try to break it down like why does this appeal to me like try to get beyond like oh well I think these people are hot like okay yeah sure but if the act itself seems hot to you then maybe later just like break it down a little bit think about your why if anyone's heard me in hypnostoria teach I'm so sorry because we talk about this all the time but I really think almost all of it breaks down to your capital W-Y And what qualities you find attractive about something, because those are words and that's language that we all understand, even if we don't necessarily know, like kinky terms and phrases and stuff like that. Absolutely. And, you know, seeing things that turn you on is just the first step. And then you can go ahead and gain some knowledge on, you know, how to do those things safely. Mm -hmm. And so to kind of summarize, you know, maybe start with a hard and soft limits checklist, kind of use the internet, see what's out there to gauge interest in certain things. And then while you're still online, maybe consider in a safe way that protects your personal information, 
you know, actually making an account and getting involved in some kind of kink social media or some kind of kink discord server, something like that, mm-hmm. where you can actually have live discourse with people and discussion about some of these things that you're interested in, get your first level of education. Then when you're ready to start having in-person encounters, you can use those online community resources to start to find in-person munches, conventions, classes, dungeons. Go in with an open mind. You don't know what you don't know. And just kind of notice, like, what do you find sexy? Um, Don't interrupt anybody's scene. But if you bump into somebody later, I feel like it's totally acceptable to say, hey, I saw you doing this really hot thing in the dungeon earlier, and I'm really curious, would you mind if I asked you a question about it? I feel like that's a a perfectly acceptable thing to say to somebody. They might say no, and that's Mm -hmm. their right. Consent's important. But, you know, observing some things and then talking to people who actually do them in real life can be a really great connection. And then most importantly of all, as you're starting to get to know people, attend events regularly, you will start to develop the vetting you need just by being a decent human who's, you know, easy to be around, follows the rules, respectful in those spaces, you'll start to develop the vetting that you'll need to take things into a more intimate space, you know, to start to date, to start to be invited to more private events where there's a little bit more going on. Absolutely. And I think it's really important in this too, to know what you know and know what you don't know. And to be really honest about that. I think that's probably yes. one of the most important <laughs> things to so many of us. There, I know it's really tempting to want to show off or to exaggerate things a little bit or that like you're afraid to look like a newbie or look uncool because you don't know what something is. But these are, this is getting into categories where you really need to hecking know how to do the thing safely before you can do the thing. And so especially when you're talking to people that you might potentially want to play with, it's really important that you're transparent about what you have and haven't done and what you do and do not know. And I honestly, from my perspective, will have a lot of respect for somebody who's very transparent about that. And I'm one of those people who's very open to like talking about things, explaining things, even if people haven't seen me do the thing. I've had a lot of people come up to me at a con or an event and be like, hey, I know you do boot blacking or I know you teach boot blacking. Can we talk about that? Can you sit down with me and like walk me through doing my boots while I do them? And I'm usually pretty happy to oblige. So if you are very honest, transparent, and respectful, that'll get you quite some ways in my experience. And the opposite will get you immediately blackballed from the community. Um, I don't know. Maybe I should cut that out. It's a little harsh. I don't know. It's a little harsh. No, but the truth is, okay, here's the deal. There are things that I have skill at because I've attended classes practiced. Some of them I've developed enough skill that other people ask me for my opinion, want to hear me teach about them. I will never call myself an expert in any one kink. And for all the things that I have skills in, there are things that I have fewer or no skills in. So, you know, I approached Panda when I was really excited about my brand new violet wand. We talked about this a little bit and I said, hey, I took a class on this in person 
I tested the shit out of this kit on myself. So I'm very confident that I know what everything in this kit does. And that's about the extent of my experience. How do you feel about me shocking you? Um, You know, that's a conversation you can have. I've thrown my dragon tail at my practice pillow. And, you know, I can throw it 100 times in a row at the practice pillow without missing, but I have not thrown it at a live human body. Um, Wait, really? a conversation you can have. Well, I have now. Oh, I was <laughs> I'm, just giving, I'm just giving an example. Oh, wow. <laughs> like the dragon tail is um, something that's a little bit newer to me. I do a lot of like canes, paddles, hard implements. But the dragon tail is on the newer side of things for me. And I did absolutely practice on a pillow before I ever practiced on a person. Mm -hmm. And I will openly admit, like I, the first time I ever played with my dragon tail on a person, you know, I took all of the precautions possible. I was honest about my experience and I still had um, one throw where the end of the tail landed a couple of inches above where I was aiming. And so... You know, I was aiming for a bum and I got a little bit of lower back and I beat myself up about it. Of course you did. (laughs) For like a long time. Yeah. But the reality is, you know, there is, you can practice and practice and practice. And we talk about risk aware consensual kink because things like that can happen. You can miss a throw. Even experienced people miss throws. Like I've had a fair amount of wrapping with flogging whips, dragon tails, because that stuff just happens. It can happen. And so, you know, it's up to the other person to decide if they want to be on the receiving end of your implement. And the best thing that you can do is be honest, because then if something like that happens, you know, you can even say, I'm a super experienced person at doing X, Y, Z, but it's important to understand that that doesn't make me perfect. I'm a human. So there's still some risk involved in this activity. And I know we've talked about this a little bit before, so I'm not going to delve into it deeply, but labbing is also something that can be really useful, which is doing the kinky act outside of a seeing context, uh, usually as a skill building or learning experience for the top or the bottom or both. So that can be something that's super useful. Or asking for a demo from somebody. Again, a demo is not necessarily in a seeing context. It will usually be a shorter, like, kind of here's the basics of what this feels like to give you the range of experience to further inform if you want to do more of that thing or not. I forget if we mentioned this, but tasters are also something that's present at some general kink cons at some specific cons. It just really depends. Uh, Some kink organizations hold regular tasters, which are usually events where a bunch of experienced people from different kinks come together and we'll host little stations where new people can walk around and check out things they might not have seen or experienced before and ask questions. So if you can find one of those at a con or in your area, or if you want to take a road trip with a friend, even I do highly recommend them because they're a really quick way to learn a lot about several kinks at once. This is, everybody's going to laugh, but (laughs) Um, the last thing that I will leave you with, because this is a lot of information. And again, this is a very broad overview. The last thing that I will leave you with on this topic is 
think about your scene name because your scene name is going to be, I'm serious. This is the name no, you're going to go by. You know what I'm going to say. So you're I giggling. Know. When you're venturing into the world of social media for the first time, you're going to be asked to choose a name and you might think it's not that important at the time. You might think that, you know, it's no big deal. It's just going to be a profile. But if you want to develop a reputation, which is important, if you want to have, you know, some vetting going on and you want people to know you as a safe player and a respectful person, this name will follow you everywhere, (laughs) everywhere. Every time you enter an event, a munch, a convention, you're going to be handed a name tag and you're going to be expected to write this name on it. And I know someone's going to tell me they probably have this you know, scene name and give me shit for it. Cause we definitely don't kink shame. But like, if you want to be dinged on 69 on pet life or whatever, you know, be prepared to write that and have people walk up to you and say, hi, ding dong. <laughs> like that will be your name that you go by. So just put a little bit of thought into it. I specifically chose my scene name because I was comfortable going by Sunny. And probably at this point, more people know me by Sunny than my legal name. So <laughs> wait, it was, was this really your first name? Like your first fat name? This was my first name ever. I really just, I, cause I, I watched a video on YouTube before I created my profile. I did a little internet research and I watched a video on YouTube and somebody said the exact same thing. I wish I could remember who it was because I would give them credit. They said, you know, do not pick a ridiculous username because if you're going to continue to venture into the community and you you want to be a known person then you want your you know social media presence and that sort of thing to match your scene name so that people can find you like you might not want to meet somebody at an event and tell them your real name you want to give them your scene name and say find me on FetLife because that is you know a way to protect your true identity with people that you don't know very well yet And so, you know, I watched a YouTube video that really said, like, if you're going to create a profile, really take some time to think about it. And if you change your name, you know, after two years, you might already know enough people by then and where it won't matter, or it might be the case where people don't recognize you anymore. And so like, they've heard Mm -hmm. things about you that were positive, you know, and on the other side of that, people can change their scene name to try to camouflage some negative reputation things. So that is a thing that can happen, be aware of it, but put some thought into it. (laughs) If you want to be ding dong 69, I will not judge you. Just make sure that you feel comfortable with everybody calling you that until the end of time. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um first of all, I think I'm gonna make like a quick bonus episode after this because like who oh boy, do I have a story? Um they're like legitimately one of my play partners is called on FetLife. Um Arseman number four, letter U number two. And <laughs> he just goes by his regular name, like in any seen context and like doesn't really use social media that much and so alternatively i guess if you don't care about going by your fet life name or social media name then don't feel pressured about it but maybe just don't make it something stupid like but mine was dumb my first names were dumb and it took me a long time to try to figure and out what was it <laughs> i don't even think i know this come on still this you is know. for education i mean yeah i was i was gonna say it in the bonus anyway but my one of the many many names that i used 
before I found Panda Pet was <laughs> <laughs> look the number four, the sunshine. Oh, that's not even that bad. I th- it's I think it's horrible. Like it sounds like so wholesome and like so like patty positive. Oh no, I think it's super- you are patty positive and it's super cute. Um, <laughs> you are a ray of sunshine. Um, I think that's super cute. Ironically, Sunny is like kind of a joke because I'm kind of like a Wednesday Adams type, you know, a little morbid. So I'm like rain cloud. So it's you know, a little irony there with Sunny. Um, I think that that's cute. I, I've been made fun of it in the past for it. Let's say that. Aww. Um, well, then that person broke naughty talk rule number one. What Just is number saying. one again? Don't be an asshole. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, you know, it's you don't have to use, like, a first name, you know. No. Um, but just something that is easy to remember, that is easy to use in conversation when you're being introduced to someone else. So, you know, either it can be shortened to something that's memorable, but, you know, by doing this, by doing a little a little bit of thought in advance, it's going to make it easier for people that you meet at these events to find you in a way that gives you a little bit more privacy about your vanilla life, because you can say, find me on this website. This is my, uh, my username, that sort of thing. And then when you show up at an event, if you've been really active in online communities and you put that on your badge, it's possible that people might recognize you and it might act as a little bit of an icebreaker, you know? So anyway, (laughs) Somebody's going to tell me that that's their pet name. And if it is, um, I apologize, Ding Dong 69, that it's perfectly valid. No, it's a perfectly valid choice if you're comfortable being called that. Everything exists. There's probably nothing that I could choose that wouldn't be somebody's real screen name. Um, <laughs> same name. But um, yeah, anyway, choose something that, that's easy to remember that you don't mind going by. And um, in my case, a little extra bonus is that if somebody were to call me Sunny in a vanilla space, it wouldn't stand out that much. Yeah. And that does not necessarily matter. You might not care about that at all. But when you start to know like a wide variety <laughs> of people, when you start to know a lot of people and you might encounter someone in a vanilla setting, you know, I kind of like that people can say, hey, Sunny, and it doesn't seem you know, out of place. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, that's all we have to say about this particular topic. So hopefully we have answered some of our questions. Again, thank you so much to our listeners who wrote in and allowed themselves to be, you know, a little bit vulnerable and ask these questions. There are no bad questions. And, you know, I really, really, from the bottom of our naughty talk hearts, we <laughs> we appreciate people um writing in and we hope to keep that going and thank you again to panda pat welcome back for your third season thanks thanks for having me yay (laughs) next up we have apollyon he him apollyon comes to us from the world of social media and is the personality behind the new lifestyle site on everyone's radar submit how are you today i'm pretty good honey thanks for having me I'm excited to have you on the show. Me too. Now, I usually ask folks to introduce themselves in terms of their roles and identities within the kink community, but I know you like to keep things a little bit mysterious. And so, (laughs) yeah, we'll keep the scope on 
you know, submit today, but go ahead and introduce yourself in any way that you feel comfortable and maybe tell us what submit even is. For sure. Uh, so yeah, I'm a Polyon. Uh, for the last two years now, we've been building submit, which uh, is the, what we like to call the future of sort of BDSM and kink social networking. Um, it's a new social networking platform that's focused on inclusivity, safety, and privacy as our sort of core tenets of what we'd like to do. Uh, for me, I'm a, a 38-year-old guy. I used to have a stint at a, another popular social network that I'm sure some folks will know about uh, many, many years ago. And then originally I had wanted to do this you know, a long time ago, but couldn't. So I went and did the thing that people do and had a career and did some things. And now... I'm at a point where it made sense to try to try to do this. And so here we are just getting ready to build this. Well, actually, no, I shouldn't say getting ready. We are building it and uh, we're putting together quite the community already. I'm excited about it. Inclusivity built into the platform, something we can definitely get excited about here on Naughty Talk. So <laughs> what really possessed you to take on such a, a massive project? What was the the muse or the motivating factor? I think, you know, what really stemmed for me or it stemmed from for me, it was um, building something where people truly felt safe and where they could go and feel free to share the things that were, that they wanted to share without, you know, uh, fear of being attacked or being uh, harassed or made fun of or any of those types of things, right? Any identities that may not feel mainstream, trans folks get attacked all, all over the internet, um, BIPOC folks get attacked all over the internet. And so it, there's no reason that we can't build something that's safe for everyone to use that focuses on the topics that we actually want to focus on and not on hate, on conspiracy theories, on all sorts of other things that just have no place in a social network that's that should be focused on, you know, kink, BDSM, and the things that we're all actually passionate about. And what makes Submit so unique and special? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things that we like to say. I, I think first and foremost for submit really is that we're probably the only social network on the planet. Uh, and especially one that's adult focused that started out as a company that built a content moderation pipeline first. And why that's important is because our goal wasn't to build something to make money. It wasn't to build something to, you know, become this great next big billion dollar company, the market that we're, that we want to serve. It's not that size of market anyway, but we don't want those ambitions. We don't have those kind of goals. What we want is to build something safe. So how we started out doing that is with this moderation pipeline, with giving people control over their content completely. So when you sign up on submit, you actually create what's called a vault. All of your content goes into that vault. At any point in time, you can tell us, hey, I don't want this content on the platform anymore, and it's gone. It doesn't get stored in a backup. When you release it or you revoke your consent for us to use it, we can't touch it anymore. You still have it. You still have it in your vault. You can still access it, touch it, edit it, put it back on submit if you want to. And eventually, uh, as we continue to build out the platform, you'll also be able to export it. And if other companies want to use the same format that we share, you could move it around to other places too. And the next big thing that we do is uh, we really heavily focus on both privacy controls and safety controls. So we have a super robust privacy system that allows you to get into like the super fine details of controlling exactly who can see what. Uh, you can filter your feed. You can create your own custom feed based on tags, based on uh, machine learning. So you can say, hey, I don't want to see this type of content in my feed. And one of two things will happen, right? One, either people will have tagged their content properly and it'll get removed automatically, or we'll have done some work with a machine learning tool to help us understand what that is and remove it for you automatically. Is it going to be perfect? 
maybe, maybe not, but it's going to get you 99% of the way there. So you're going to be able to create the experience that you want. And at no point in time do we ever change that experience. We don't inject ads. We don't say, hey, you should go look at this. You get to control exactly what you want, nothing more, nothing less. Uh, And that's a huge part for us. So it's more of a focus on sort of individual experience. This is what I want to see than, say, algorithms that prioritize certain types of posts that are predicted to be popular, that sort of thing. Yeah, right. If you look at Twitter and you go into your Twitter feed and you see 50% of the things that you follow, but the other 50% are things that Twitter is recommending to you based on what you've looked at, what you've done, what they think is popular. We don't do any of that. You can choose to uh, enable some things to be shown to you if you want, but you control exactly what is in your feed at all points of time. And we never, ever will inject anything to that feed. And it sounds like, I know we never in kink really say anything is safe, but it sounds like you've really put a lot of effort into making a risk-aware consensual <laughs> social media platform. I'm here for it. Uh, definitely. I mean, it's uh, there's no way that it's going to be 100% safe, right? As much as we all mm-hmm. wish we could build something that way, it's just not going to be the case. But what we do do, we moderate consistently. We're transparent about how we do that. Even today, um, we have transparency reports uh, about every major action that we take. So if we permanently kick someone and ban them from the platform, there's a transparency report that goes out to the community that says, hey, we kicked this person. This is why we kicked this person. They're permanently banned and they can never come back. And there's certain cases in the transparency reports because we reported that person to law enforcement possibly where we might not name them. But in almost all the cases, we generally tend to name those individuals and be like, hey, this is the username, not their actual name, but this is their username. This is who they were. And boom, they've been banned for, you know, being uh, a, 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 like a horribly abusive troll. Now, like t- getting banned does take a lot of work. It's, it's not something you can just easily go and earn, but some folks have already earned it and it happens. And when you say permanently banned, is there anything that would prevent them from coming back with like a new? Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, no, this is a great question. And it's a question that I get all the time. So, you know, ban circumvention is a, is a challenging thing. Also block circumvention, right? So maybe you blocked somebody and they went and created a new account and mm-hmm. came back and started harassing you. Obviously we want to stop both of those things, right? If we permanently ban you, we want you to be banned. If we, if you block someone, we want them to stay blocked. So we do a lot of different things here. Will someone be able to come back? Yes. If they try hard enough, they can get around all the things that we do. Absolutely. But we make it extremely difficult to do. You know, ideally, in almost all cases, we will eventually, even if you make it through, like, maybe you get your account back, or sorry, you get a new account, get back on the platform after you've been banned, you might make it like two or three days, but then we'll find you and we'll ban you. And then it'll just keep doing that. And this is all an automatic process. We don't have to, to think a lot about it. It happens automatically behind the scenes. We don't speak specifically to what we actually do, because the second we do, then people know how to start getting around it. Fair. But that's um, fair. <laughs> that works both for you know banning and blocking. And the cool thing about blocking is we're we're actually pretty good about the blocking one because you still have an account. And so when you try and go and create this new account to get around that block that happened and, and you think that you've been blocked, and we make it difficult to even tell if you have been blocked, we're a lot better at making sure that you won't be able to harass that person just by creating new accounts. We're also really good at making sure that you don't come back after you've been banned. But again, if you try hard enough, it, you can always get around these things. So something that we work on every day, it's kind of like a game of whack-a-mole. Um, people start doing one thing, we whack it. Then they start doing another thing, we whack that, and so on and so forth. But it's something that we'll always focus on and always keep doing. 
And nothing is perfect. It, it sounds like an awful lot of effort has gone in to make improvements, you know, in terms of things that folks have found problematic in the past, that kind of a thing. Yep. So I always advise our listeners with kinky social media, just, you know, think about it, be aware of what you're putting out there. It is the internet. <laughs> even with safeguards. I mean, once, once you push that publish button, it's yep. out there. And even if you've only shared it with a small group of people, Nothing stops them from taking a picture of it, uh, doing all like we, we work really hard to keep things safe, but people work just as hard to find ways around those things to go and take content and do other things. So yeah, you know, you're absolutely right to be like, Hey, if you're posting on the internet you need to be ready for that to, to not be private anymore. Yep. People ask me all the time when we teach virtually why I won't do recording And yes, like somebody can hold up a cell phone and, you know, literally take a video of their computer screen. It can be done. You know, there are millions of ways to do it. And, you know, at least I feel like I'm making an effort on my own part to control my content. I don't usually show my full face and my pictures without some kind of blur, you know, the traditional, like I chopped half my head off (laughs) kind of situation. I show my, my face at events and at clubs in, you know, real life, in person, social scenarios, that kind of thing. Yeah. Most of those places don't allow photography or it's in designated areas only. And I understand, you know, I've built a risk profile just like I have for kink around social media, but it's nice 100%. to see the effort. <laughs> I, I, I get to break those rules a little bit and my face is absolutely everywhere all over the platform. But I think for me, that was more, I don't think that you can trust someone to say that, Hey, they're trying to build this ultra, you know, safe, inclusive and private space, but they don't trust it enough to actually go and post their own face on it. And so, yeah, I traditionally, I don't think, it's very rare that I would have ever probably posted my face in the mm-hmm. in a this type of social network, but yeah, I mean, my profile literally has my face uh, all over it. So it's it's been it's been interesting. It's definitely been a learning experience for me, just on the other side of having that out there in that in that side of the uh, the social network for me, because it's never been something I've done before. Well, I appreciate the transparency, both on a, a personal and on the level of the site, for sure. Now, please tell our listeners, <laughs> what is this famous Dick Detective I keep hearing about? <laughs> yes. So Dick Detective is a bot that we built. And what this bot does is I'm sure that you know millions of women around the world and men can attest to receiving uh, dick pics in their DMs that they didn't want, that was mm-hmm. unsolicited. And so what Dick Detective does is he scans every single photo that gets sent into a DM or other places where it's enabled. And if it is their first message or if you haven't turned off Dick Detective, right? So um, it will stop anyone from sending you a dick pic uh, or other types of genital pictures as a first message or in any message until it's actually turned off. Basically creating a safer space for people to communicate and a place where people don't feel like they're being forced to look at people's genitals uh, without their consent. And it sounds like a, like a lot of the features, it's a choose your own adventure kind of situation. If you want to receive those pictures, you can you turn can. it off. If you don't, you can. You can, yeah, <laughs> you can 100% turn off Dick Detective and you can just let the dicks fly if that's what you want to do. We're all for it. We're totally not going to force that on anyone. But just a lot of places where we also think that you know, some groups that just people will come in and their only goal is to be a troll or harass that group. So they go and post a bunch of random dick pictures. It'd be nice just to not even have to think about that for those people. So they can just focus on creating 
content and having discussions around something they're passionate about without having those trolls come in and interfere with the space. And so, you know, I built Dick Detective, which was truly a horrifying experience. I looked at about 85,000 pictures of dicks uh, <laughs> over a couple of uh, months and I've, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot. I'm done. More dicks never, than you ever wanted to see in your whole more life. More ever than that. Yeah. Never just, I could never see another dick again, even my own. And I'd be fine with it. It would be totally okay. Um, <laughs> So, and then of course that also stems to other things too, right? We, we built it on this massive model of, of <laughs> genitals. And so that was, <laughs> that was a new experience for me just in it itself. I, I had built a career in technology and doing all these things, but I had never taken <laughs> this, this dive into um, taking adult content and mixing it into all these things. So it was, it was an anatomy. <laughs> it was very interesting, but yes. Yeah, so Dick Detective is, uh, he's an expert in finding Dick. I loves it. He will he will identify it. People have already got games planned to try and figure out how to trick him. They're going, I'm going to disguise my dick like this. And I was like, good, no, I want you to do that. Because the more that you do that and the more that we fail, the more it learns to find those pictures. So, <laughs> uh, it's really good. It's been it's been one of the probably the most popular things that we've had. Uh, he's got hats coming soon, t-shirts coming soon as well. So I know people... <laughs> People love, love good old DD. And I've been following in the Discord community for a little bit, and I've really appreciated the approach that you've taken where you're allowing community voices to sort of be reflected, and then that's you know popping up in the features. But what yeah. has that process been like for you on the other side? <laughs> so, so, I mean, for me, I, starting Submit and, and coming through the with the, the early prototype that we built and then launching it and starting to collect feedback, I always knew that I wasn't building this for me. I was building it for the community and the communities that will exist on submit. So I always wanted to make sure that we opened it up and said, Hey, tell us about what you like, what you don't like, what you want, what you really need uh, so that we can start to make those changes. And originally when we first started, you know, kind of coming up publicly and talking about it, I kind of thought maybe we'd have like a couple hundred people, uh, talking to us about it. Now we have thousands and um, it's fantastic. I love it. It's also a very overwhelming process. In the very beginning, we used to get like a couple hundred feature requests uh, over probably like a week, maybe over two weeks. And people would just be running through, oh, I want this. Oh, I want that. Oh, I want this. Uh, and I would work really hard to respond to every single one of them. Like, all right, we can do this. Maybe we can do this. Can't do that. And so as we started to get through and people started to actually get onto the platform, it's gotten a lot better now where um, people will work with us to to shape features and define them. And that's been awesome. It's been really cool to work with different folks um, from all sorts of different types of communities, um, all different places all over the world and get an understanding of what's working for them, what's not working for them and how we can be better to serve all of them. And so a lot of the features, even early on, um, have changed based on that feedback, right? We added a whole bunch of stuff to blocking that we never had before. We added uh, pre-blocking, right? So you can block someone before they even join if they join with a specific username. So if you know their username on another place and you think that they're going to join and submit with that username, you can pre-block them. And the second that they join, they'll automatically be blocked and you never have to worry about seeing them or thinking about them. And that was something that I would have never thought about, but came out of feature, uh, a feature suggestion from the community and something that we thought was great and that should get added into the platform. So it's been good. It's also been overwhelming. I feel like you have to have like, I don't know, the social skills and the kink awareness of a dungeon monitor and a magic wand to do your job. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. I mean, it's a little bit like that. And there's also there's also the the reality of sort of taking into account like, hey, 
some of the things that people are asking for, like that might take us months to build or more. Um, the, a big one that people are like, Oh, can we have like a, a rating system for people? And I was like, Oh, okay. That gets really tricky. Like people can game that system. They can, they can use it to abuse people. And they're like, Oh, that's okay. We'll be okay. And I was like, yeah, the, the 26 of you that are having this chat with me. Are okay. But the 75,000 people that are currently waiting to get on submit, they might not all be okay. And so we're trying to figure out the balance of, Hey, we really want to make sure that we listen to the ideas that folks are giving us and they're super important. Um, and we also want to balance that with creating something that's safe, something that's still inclusive and something that ultimately works for everyone. And so that's been the the tricky balance of just trying to figure out how to incorporate some truly fantastic ideas uh, and making sure that we do that in a way that still preserves the goals that we have for the platform. I definitely have witnessed the staff handling things with an excellent degree of diplomacy, I think. You know, some of the, the stuff is very hot button issue. Oh, yes. Like, you know, um, what about okay, so I saw this thread about known predators in the community and how are we gonna keep them out? And I yep. feel like that was such a hot button issue. And being someone who has unfortunately been stalked and been on like the receiving end of a person who's not so cool in the community, you know, on the surface, that sounds like a lovely magical thing. But in reality, you know, you're not for any one person or one organization or a company to insert themselves into like an investigation, which really is probably a matter for law enforcement. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, it is not an easy, straightforward thing. It's, it's not. And the expectations that uh, different folks have, you know, wildly vary, right? Well, someone, some people are like, Hey, I told you about this guy. I sent you this message. Why haven't you banned him? And I said, well, cause you sent me a message and you didn't really send me any other details. And while I absolutely appreciate you sending me this message and we will, you know, note it and take account to, of what you said into our system, that is something that's basically, you know, um, us versus them or they versus them. Uh, there's no, we don't know the other side of the story. We don't know what the story is. We don't have any evidence. We don't have any facts. And mm-hmm. oftentimes not I hear, the police. <laughs> we're, not, we're not the police. And uh, oftentimes I hear, well, one of the things that I hear frequently is, um, oh, well, you know, if I'm being abused, my first goal isn't to collect evidence. And I said, oh, you know, it depends, I guess, to the level that you're going to be abused of. If you casually get a message somewhere that is rude and abusive, yeah, you're probably not going to screenshot that message and you're just going to ignore it. You're going to toss it away or delete it, whatever. But if there's a targeted and systematic campaign of abuse happening against someone, at some point, you're going to want to get law enforcement involved. And at that point, they're going to ask you for evidence. You're going to have to collect that evidence to get to that point. And if you get to that point, then that's also evidence that we can accept and we can start to say, hey, okay, this person shouldn't be here and this is why they shouldn't be here. Um, but it's a mm-hmm. super difficult balance, something that we work on every single day. We collect, honestly, it's it's kind of depressing, but we collect probably a couple hundred reports um, a week on different folks uh, from all over the world and different types of things. Some are really straightforward, right? There's this person's been charged with a, some kind of sexual crime. Okay. They're immediately banned. There's, you know, if you're a sex offender and you're on any sex offender registry, you cannot be on submit period. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's an easy one, right? And people report those and we're like, thank you for reporting it. That's awesome. But then we get other things that are way more subjective and it, you know, it becomes trying to sort of wade in between someone's interpersonal drama. And so 
while I respect that there are people that have problems with each other and that's something that they have and I don't want to get into the middle of that and we don't want as a platform to get into the middle of that. We try to give you tools to make it so that you never have to see them, never have to experience them. And if it does escalate to the level of report, we'll absolutely go in there and try and figure out what we can do. But oftentimes, while people really, really want us to ban someone outright for something that's happened, it might not necessarily be that simple. Uh, and so trying to explain that and trying to work with the community to say, hey, we're not opposed to receiving any information about anyone. We're not opposed to working with you to figure out a solution, but that solution might not always be exactly what you want. And I understand that's disappointing, but you know, it, we're not the police. We don't launch full investigations. Um, and the, level, the limited amount of information that we get, or if unless we get tons, it can make it really difficult for us to make a decision that's like, hey, yes, we will absolutely ban this person. And there also are cases where, yes, we will absolutely ban this person. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm somebody who does not mind sharing from, you know, the other side of that, because I spent at one time a lot of energy trying to have basically like revenge type things taken down, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. It was exhausting. And, you know, I think it's a personal journey for each person who is being abused or harassed. There is no right or wrong. So please don't misunderstand our listeners. Don't come for me. I am sure. always, you know, going to support survivors. Oh, as are we. And I want to always place our faith in survivors and victims first. And it, people are like, Oh, well, you're not taking my side. And I was like, well, it's not that simple for us as a platform. Now, um, one of the cool things that we've worked on to help with that is if someone is actually starting to harass you on submit, you won't have, to, as soon as you file a report for harassment, so let's say, you know, this person's harassing me, you don't have to worry about starting to keep track of what's going on. We'll keep track of that for you. And we do that automatically. Our system will watch the person that's harassing you. They'll take a look at the content they're posting and they'll stop, they will stop them from doing that before they can even post it. Uh, and it's not perfect. It will sometimes, the people will still be able to get around sometimes, but it does a much better job of um, stopping that from really turning into something and stopping that from being able to have someone, you know, create a brigade or a, a dob hell into someone because we prevent them from even starting to really have that conversation at all. That's pretty amazing. So that's been a huge thing that we've been working on. Yeah, it takes the burden off of the person who is being harassed to search for, exactly. document every little detail. That's a huge. Um, and that's step the thing. Forward. It's like if you, you know, while we aren't the other places that exist on the internet, we don't know what happened there. We don't have any evidence of what happened there. We don't have their databases of information. So it's hard for us to do things when people come. Some things, yes, of course, we can. We can absolutely do things right if you provide enough evidence. Then. Yeah, we're happy to go ban someone, and we've done it. But if it's if it's not as easy for us to figure out what's going on, the thing that we will quickly say is, "Hey, I know it's not the quite the answer that you want, but the second that this behavior shows up here, not only will we identify it, but we will remove it immediately, and that person will earn themselves a ban faster than you know almost anything, and we'll be knowing to look for that because of the reports that we've already received." So. You know, trolls and, and other folks, people who harass and people who do things, uh, people who groom uh, children or minors, people who exploit children or minors, any kind of behavior that we don't want to have on the platform is something that we'll remove automatically, right? Hate speech, um, anything, anything at all. Racism is gone. Like, we, we will find it and take care of it, and we will obliterate that person from 
coming back, right? We'll make it so difficult for them to have a platform that they just will stop because they won't be able to do it. It's eventually they get exhausted of trying to have to create new account after new account after new account, and they just don't come back. And that's what we'll do. People who say banning people doesn't work, it does. You just have to do it enough. Yeah. And I think the moral of the story is that no one website or one organization can be expected to police the whole world, but you seem to be making an awful lot of effort to keep your own house clean, which I appreciate. We do try. All right. So I know you are personally doing a ton of work and probably exhausted down to, I think, (laughs) troubleshooting when I attempted to make an account and locked myself out because I had a typo (laughs) in my, I was like, please help me. And you personally bailed me out. (laughs) But now you've got some other folks also helping as the community grows. Is there anything you'd like to say about the submit team? You know, how many people, you know, anything you want to share about the team? Absolutely. So we have two groups, right? We have a group of volunteers and we have an amazing set of volunteers that moderate our discord and they have been with me from the beginning for a, a lot of them. And they're just some of the most amazing humans that volunteer their time, their energy, their effort uh, into keeping our discord a place that's comfortable and safe and managing some, some very, very complex uh, issues and challenges, right? We have a place where you can vent about things and uh, that channel often just, goes into a, uh, they get upset about things and the moderators jump in there and, and they work through those challenges with the community. And it's been fantastic. They're absolutely amazing. So, you know, we love our moderators that we have. They're fantastic humans. They've spent countless hours, weeks, and even months at this point, uh, really focused on helping us build. And just recently, because we grew so quickly, uh, we hired. So we have three new moderators that are for the site. So the, our moderators that work on the site, they don't Discord moderate at all. They, they only focus on what's happening on Submit itself. And then we also have two new engineers who just started this week. And so that has been nice for me. Well, it's getting nice for me. It's going to take a couple of weeks before they're actually functional. <laughs> they got to learn, they got to get ready, and they got to get up to speed. But as that happens, uh, it's going to be really nice for me to finally get some help there. Um, I'm convinced you don't even sleep at this point. <laughs> so it's uh, people seem to think that what the problem is is, um, I I sleep next to my phone, and so Discord's on my phone, so I will respond to things sometimes even while I'm laying in bed or if I'm sleeping. I'll see a ping, and I'll be like, "Oh, what's going on?" Uh, so it does look like I'm up 24 hours a day, although it's not that far off. I only probably get four or six hours a night. Oof. I'm like cringing internally because I'm a person <laughs> who like my partner brings my coffee to bed and oh. says, please get up for work because it's really, really time. And then backs away slowly. So <laughs> <laughs> not quite, I'm not quite like that. Um, I, I've, I worked in startups for a very long time. So I'm very much used to the, a concept of very little sleep and and way too much time in front of my computer. Uh, so thankfully I have a partner that understand, understands that, and understands that process. Well, I do wish you the very best in finding some work-life balance as your team grows. <laughs> Thank you. I'm looking forward to finding it. All right. So I think at the last count, there was something like 74,000 and change folks on the wait list. And I think you said another 6,000, something like that, who have already joined the site. And has this just sort of exceeded your expectations in terms of response? Oh, beyond anything that I could have ever imagined. Yeah, as of right now, actually, as as of Sunday, it's about 74,000 on the wait list. 
and there's about 6,800 on the site itself. And uh, that grows pretty regularly by, you know, usually a couple hundred join the waitlist a day, sometimes more, sometimes less. Uh, and we usually add between anywhere from 100 to 200 accounts on the site a day. And um, when I first thought about launch and what launch looked like, I thought maybe we'd have 500 people. <laughs> and I was like, all right, if we get 1,000 people, like, this is, that'd be amazing. That'll be the best day ever. And we blew past a thousand people in about, um, I think like 36 hours. And so more than um, your wildest kinky social media dreams far, could imagine. Far more <laughs> than I ever could have imagined. And I would just kind of sat there and I remember we hit, uh, you know, the community was like, all right, you have to wear some cat ears on a stream. If we hit 15,000, I was like, all right, I'll do that. And I, I mean, I thought maybe we'd hit it and we hit it. And then they're like, okay, now you have to wear a cat suit at 50,000. I was like, all right, we're never going to hit that one. I don't have to worry about it. Hit that. <laughs> so, it's like, all right. Um, I have to find where that that's streaming somewhere, right? <laughs> it's, uh, we, ha- I, I recorded it. I have not published it. It'll be published on submit shortly. Um, much to my dismay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, so yes, yeah, so we, we smashed through those goals. We continue to smash through the goals. We changed the next one so that it's not as easy. <laughs> so, you know, I was like, wait, you know what? <laughs> You're going to end up getting me like naked on camera at some point. I don't, I don't know if I like this. So the next one that we have, uh, way, way back when, because I don't have any hair. Um, you can revoke your consent at any time. I just want to well, remind our whole community. Absolutely. A hundred percent. However, the community will eviscerate me if I do that. So <laughs> I just won't, won't be revoking it. <laughs> but yes, uh, 100% <laughs> anyone at any point in time can revoke their consent, including me. I just also know that I will never hear the end of it if I do so. <laughs> but the next one that I think we have is I, I had set one super early. I don't have any hair um, and it's been a long running joke. And one of the things that we had talked about early on, because I do drink Red Bull like nobody's business while working. Uh, but we had joked about maybe Red Bull will help my hair grow. And so we said, if we get 10,000 active users on the site, not on the wait list, I'll, I'll live stream me pouring Red Bull all over my head to see if it helps my hair grow. So we're getting pretty close to that one. I think in another couple of weeks, I'll have to start setting that up. Um, <laughs> and the next big, the next big uh, milestone that we have is a, we really went far with this one. So the last one we did was a cat suit, uh, cat suit stream. And I took cat suit in the literal way where I got like a fun costume, um, like a onesie as a cat, not mm-hmm. the cat suit that some gotcha. folks are probably thinking about. <laughs> so we still had a lot of fun with that. And so the next one, which I can't easily get out of is <laughs> I'm terrified of this one. We are doing a superhero, uh, drag lip sync battle. Ooh. My, my partner is also super excited because she gets to dress me up in drag and she's beyond excited for that. Um, that's awesome. And so yeah, one of our other members who did the cat suit, she was me, he'll be flying out. We'll be, we'll be doing, we'll be getting ready together. We'll be really up in the production value for this one, but it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> and we'll, um, we, we do charity uh, every year for the money that we collect for people to help support the platform. We donate a portion of that to charity. And this year, uh, point of pride is a charity that helps trans folks get access to healthcare and gender affirming care. And it's something that, you know, here in the U.S., something that's under attack and something that we thought was really important to do. Mm-hmm. So when we do do that live stream, it will be a charity stream that we raise money for Point of Pride is in as well. And so, Yay. Nice choice. <laughs> great choice. Excellent. 
Now, as much as I would like to dwell on <laughs> discussing all the shenanigans you have planned as the waitlist grows, <laughs> see if we can maybe get you to commit to something for our listeners here. No. Um, <laughs> no. Um, you know, but more seriously, if people are hearing about Submit for the first time, what can they do to kind of explore it to get on the waitlist? Yeah, so it's really straightforward. You can pop over to submit.gg um, and you can join the waitlist. You can read about some of the features. I highly suggest um, that you join the Discord if you use Discord. It's, it's it's a welcoming space. People are super nice. But there's also a lot more information about the features, uh, some of the things that are going on, where we're at with rolling out right now. And if you do join the Discord, you can probably skip the waitlist if you uh, pay attention to the announcements because we do offer um, periods of early access invites that people can that people can jump in and get uh, so they don't have to wait for the wait list to finally come and get them. Excellent. And last but not least, Uh-oh. I know <laughs> maybe we could lift the veil just like a tiny little bit on this, you know, mysterious persona we have going on here. Would you be willing to settle the bet that's been going back and forth within the submit community about which side of the slash you're really on? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm I'm happy to to settle that bet. So I sit on the left side of the slash. Excellent, excellent. There you have it, folks. <laughs> um, and it maybe does... first heard on Naughty Talk. I don't know. I'm not sure, but <laughs> no, <laughs> I hope I, so. I, I think you actually. Are, I think it might be. I know in our last stream that we did, our last fun stream that we did, people had asked about it, and I don't think I answered. So I think you might have actually got the first real answer. Yay! Well, let the record show, no matter when this airs, <laughs> that we were, in fact, the first to answer the question. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for doing this and, you know, for talking a little bit about Submit. It definitely sounds like something you're passionate about, and I personally am excited to see how it develops. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great. I, uh, I love talking about Submit. Yay! Thanks, as always, for listening to Naughty Talk. Our show is available on most popular podcast platforms. For updates, to submit a request to be a guest on the show, to write in with questions for our hosts or request lifestyle advice, head over to the show's page at sunnylymain.com. You'll also find information about my novels, including my Turn the Key series, which are dark erotica with themes of hypnosis, BDSM, and sometimes a little bit of magic. All books feature different kinks and are queer inclusive. I hope you've enjoyed the show and you join us again next time.